Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. All right, all right, citizens, how are you? Go ahead. Go ahead and grab your seat. Man, it is, something's different tonight. What is it? Um, something, something is super wee here. Anybody get a haircut this week? Maybe a little haircut. Um, that's what it is. Anybody got some new sneakers on? Okay. I, somebody changed their deodorant, huh? How many of you, how many of you have got a new deodorant? How many of you have just started wearing deodorant? That's more like, yep, I know it. Dude, I knew it. Something different. So, welcome, welcome. Hey, for those of you, hey, I don't know you. For those of you who I don't know, for those of you who are new, my name is Sam, okay? Sam I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Uh, but I am the youth pastor here, okay? Which means, means a couple things. Number one, it means that you have to listen to me because I have a microphone. It's crazy. It just comes with the territory, Okay? Actually, that's not true. You don't have to listen to me. Um, I guess I'll have to work on that. Uh, But the other thing that that means is that I get to lead a community of students and a community of staffers who are learning to live for Jesus, all right? And so as as we're sitting here, we're singing that last song, All Glory Be to Christ Our King. Doesn't that just like, how many of you go, dude, that song is powerful, right? And just to have a room full of people where you guys could literally be anywhere right now. You could be anywhere right now trying to promote anything, trying to live for anything, but you're here and you're singing along with the people next to you. It's all about Jesus. All glory be to Christ our King. And so for the next few moments, we're gonna continue that refrain, okay? We're gonna continue to say, all glory be to Christ, but instead of doing it through song, we're gonna do it through story, all right? And so I wanna invite up my buddy, Torin Paza, T. Paz, come up here, buddy, and, uh, and share with them. Let's welcome him. to think that like to have a good testimony you had to have like a bad life and then come out of something then come out of it but some of the best testimonies are the ones that um end in victory and they don't have to all be bad so my uh before camp I just did my thing going through life I went to church and was like I love Jesus but it never really meant anything to me um but one night at camp when we were praying Um, I felt God move the weight of the world off my shoulders. I was so happy I couldn't keep the smile off my face. So when I got home, I stopped praying the same thing that I usually do every night, and I started praying about things actually happening in my life. I also started seeking the Lord and started seeing Him move in my life. And as I started seeking the Word and actually reading my Bible, I discovered all the benefits God has given to us, like how it says in Matthew 17, 20, Faith the size of a mustard seed can move a whole mountain. So I started to put those scriptures to work in my life, and you would be amazed at how quickly I got results. Like on back to school night, we got to pick our lockers, and all of them were chosen. So I started praying and asking God for a locker, and on the first day of school, a girl transferred to a different school, and her locker was a top locker with an easy number to remember and an easy code. 
And also, I was dealing with anxiety as a result of um, fear. I was just living with it instead of fighting it, but I was very wrong in doing that. Because in Psalm 34, 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Also, it says in 1 Peter um, 1, 7, cast your cares on him. So, and also, God is love. Love would not do anything to hurt you or make you afraid. Love is gentle and love is kind. So when I'm afraid, I say to myself, my father created the universe. What have I to fear? So I leave you on these notes, and I encourage you to read your Bible and let God work in your life. Good job, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Man, you know, um, that's cool. Isn't that cool? I love, I love the way he started that off, right? Because if you grew up in church, that's my testimony. I grew up in church. I had parents that loved me. Never went too, too crazy on what people would say is crazy, though inwardly I was crazy. But um, imagine you go to the Grand Canyon, right? And um, imagine you go and you're like cheesing it. And you're like, all right, I'm in the front now. And somebody, you try to get a selfie and you're like, it's the Grand Canyon. I can't get far enough, right? No selfie stick will cover it. So you get somebody to like step back for you and you step back and you're getting there and you're like, I'm here. And you take the picture, right? When you come home and tell people that you just went to the Grand Canyon, you don't open up your picture and go, dude, I got to show you this picture. Look at my kicks. Dude, you see what sneakers I'm wearing there? Dude, you see my outfit? Tell me that's not on point. It's a picture of the Grand Canyon. I don't care about, it's not about you. The picture is not about the person standing in the middle. It's about the vast, beautiful thing behind it. So when Torin stands up here and he says, and he tells his story about how the Lord did something in his life that has moved him along in his faith. The Lord did something in his life that jump-started his affections. And now he's loving the Lord more and he's more faithful in his disciplines. Our response is not to look at that and go, man, look at that kid. What a good kid. It's, it's not about Torin. It's about God. Look what God has done in Torin's life. And so on that note, we say all glory be to Christ because he's the hero of that story. Does that make sense? Any Grand Canyon fans out there? All right, maybe Grand Canyon University? Same thing. So, all right, hey, let's pray. And then uh, we're gonna get into our, into our text here. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I look at these faces. I look at this room and I, just, I know that you're doing something, Father. You're building a community, Lord. You're saving students. You're drawing them near to yourself. You're working through them, Lord, with the gospel. And the results, Lord, are more and more students that are coming to know you. They're surrendering their lives to you. And Lord, the result is that you're glorified. So Lord, today, help us to see how beautiful you are, God. Help us to see how beautiful holiness is, Lord. And I pray that in a few moments, Lord, we would leave here different than when we came in. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. We are continuing our series through 1 Thessalonians, continuing our series through 1 Thessalonians, and today we're going to begin chapter 4. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. I believe the gentleman passed out Bibles during connection time, so if you did not get a Bible, uh, you should look like this. If you do not own a Bible, you can have this. How many people say, I don't own a Bible except for on my phone? Anyone? All right, cool. Well, if you don't, you don't, dude, grab one. I'll, yes, grab one, it's yours, all right? I'd throw you this one, but I need it for a few moments, okay? So go ahead, open up to chapter four. Um, but I, again, I see a lot of new faces here, so you may not be familiar with one through three, right? You're like, chapter four is cool, but I feel like I just missed like the prequels, you know? 
Anybody go, dude, you gotta watch this show. And you're like, what season is it in? And you're like, season 12. And you're like, too much work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Doctor Who people, like the first time somebody tried to tell me about Doctor Who, I go, that's cool, how long has it been out? Since 1979, I'm like, I'm out. Whatever it is, it's like 30 seasons. I'm like, how's the actor still alive? No, they're like on their 40th actor. I'm like, I'm out, I'm out. It's just too much, right? So we're not gonna catch you up on 13 seasons, we're gonna catch you up on three chapters, and it's really easy, okay? Paul, everybody say Paul. He's this dude, and he's traveling all around the world telling people about Jesus. He's like, dude, you gotta learn about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus, dude. Let me tell you about Jesus. And so he's telling them about Jesus. He's telling them about the good news that God is not holding, their, holding people's sins against them, but God is actually moving towards sinful people, and in spite of their sins, saying, I still love you and want you in my family. So he's going all around the world and he's telling people, I want you in my family. Jesus is offering forgiveness and grace. And as he does this, something crazy happens. They want to live for Jesus. And so the Thessalonians are these people, and dude, they were pagans, okay? If they were up here sharing their story, like we kind of did a few weeks ago, you'd go, those are not good dudes, right? They're not just moral people that needed a little revitalization of their spiritual lives. They were pagans, okay? And we'll get to that. But these pagans, they hear the good news about Jesus and something inside of them explodes and they go, dude, I want this. And so Paul is all excited, right? He's like, here we go. I'm gonna teach them how to live for Jesus. And so they're over here, right? I, I, need, I need Thessalonians again. You three, come here, just because you're close, right? Put the Skittles right there, okay? Can I have one? Later. No, 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 not now. I'm talking. You can't do that, right? And so you just, you stand right here. Come, 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 Cadence, right? So you stand in a little huddle. You're the Thessalonians, right? I'm telling them the gospel. Squat, squat, right? So they're pagans, right? Because that's what pagans do. They squat. I tell them the gospel. They stand up, right? Jesus on three. I'm just kidding. Don't, right? So they want to live for Jesus. And so now here we go. I want to instruct them in their faith. But then those of you who were here several weeks ago, you heard about their story. And you know that a violent mob started breaking through the town in the middle of the night. And Paul was forced to flee for his life in the middle of the night. And so he's like this. He's like, ready? Jesus on three. One, two. Woof. I'm out. And he literally gets smuggled out like a criminal at night. And so now these brand new Christians... These brand new baby Christians who have just said they wanted to live for Jesus, they're left alone. And where's Paul? Not with them. And so Paul's over here in the next town over, and he's like, dude, it's, we learned last week how he's tossing and turning. And he's like, I can't take this anymore. How do I know how they're doing? What if they're not standing anymore? What if all the hostility and the, and the crazy environment that they were left in, what if that's making them fall? And so last week, we came to the climax of our text. We came to the end of chapter three, where Timothy says, I can't take this anymore. I have to do something about it. I was torn away from you, but now I sent Timothy to go see about your faith. And so Timothy, right on cue, Timothy comes, and we send Timothy, go, 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 right? Tell me, how are they doing? How are they doing? Timothy, how are they doing? They are? They're still standing. They're still standing. Guys, he wasn't even with them. Paul is not with them. And yet these brand new baby Christians are still standing. And we learned last week, it's because God will finish what he started. That's why they're still standing. And so now, that was chapter three. That was the climax. And so now, 
We're about to pivot. Paul says, I'm glad that you're still standing. I'm glad. I'm glad you're still standing. I'm glad that you're still standing in the midst of affliction. But now, students, I want you to keep walking. And this is where our book takes a turn. And so we start. Guys, you can take a seat. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you were still standing, but now keep walking. Here we go. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions, everybody say instructions. <laughs> All right. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Look what's happening here. Look what Paul is saying to them. I want you to understand this. Uh, one of the things that you'll learn about citizens, we don't just read things and go, oh yeah, I get it. Uh-huh. You know when like you're reading something for class and you have no idea what you're reading, but you just keep saying the words out loud, right? And then your teacher puts you on the spot, makes you feel like an idiot. What did you just read? I don't know. You just had me read 22 pages out loud. I have no idea what I'm saying right now. I don't even know who I am, all right? We don't do that here. That's why we have our Bibles open. We'll put it on the screen and we go, wait a minute, I don't know what that means. So what we're gonna do is very slowly, we're literally just gonna go through each line and make sure that we understand what it's saying. And so Paul, look what he's saying. What he's, what he's saying is, I want more for you than to simply see you standing in the midst of affliction. I want more for you than to simply see you still standing. I now want to see you walk, he says. I want to see you walking, which is a metaphor in the Bible for simply living. I want to see you actually living now. I want to see you walking in a way that those who follow Jesus ought to walk, which is simply what? To please God. I want to see you more than standing. I want to see you walking the way that you ought to walk and to please God. That's the big idea of tonight. The big idea is that Christ calls you students to do more than stand. So walk. We've talked a lot about suffering. We've talked a lot about affliction. And we know that we need to still be standing in the midst of that and that God will help us. But there's more for you. There's more for you. Christ calls you to do more than stand. So walk. Think of it like this road. We built this road. It's taken us six days to construct this beautiful tar-pitched road with you know, what, you know what goes into building a road? Because I don't. Um, and so, it's like, think about a road. A road, by its nature, implies movement. A road implies that you're going somewhere, right? People don't build roads where they want you to stand still. Hey, that's a really nice spot. I'm going to build you a road so you can stay right there. No. People build roads where you need to go places. Your life with Christ, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of God, a follower of Jesus or a child of God, your life is like this road. Life with Christ is meant to be this steady growth, moving forward, progressively maturing into the person that God is transforming you to become. And he's transforming you progressively to look more and more like Jesus. And so this is the road, right? That's why he says, look what he says. Just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. He says, keep walking. Keep growing. 
keep living a life that pleases God more and more. Well, Sam, I'm already a Christian. More. Live a life that is pleasing to God. The good news is that this doesn't have to be guesswork, right? You're like, man, that sounds great, but I don't know how to walk on the road. What do I do? What do you mean more and more? This isn't guesswork. Look what Paul says. He says, you received from us the how. We taught you how, right? We gave you instructions on how to please God. He taught, they received. He gave them instructions. It's not guesswork. And so students, for you, let's, before we even get into this, realize it doesn't need to be guesswork for you either. There's a myth going around culture right now, and it's this. Sometimes you just got to figure it out on your own. Anybody ever hear that? Sometimes you really just got to screw up your life and throw it down the drain to really understand what it means to screw up your life and throw it down the drain. Wait, time out. It sounded cool and there was like music in the background and it was on my favorite movie or TV show. But like when you say it that way, Sam, it's pretty stupid. Yes, it is. The Proverbs actually have a word for this. It's a really unique word and it's called foolishness. Students, you will learn how to live life one of two ways. You will learn from your mistakes or you will learn from mentors, okay? You will learn from your mistakes and then sometimes it's too late or you will learn from mentors. And so that's why we as a community, hi, we're citizens, nice to meet you. What we do is we embrace godly authority. We're a community that is committed to learning from those who go before us, from people who are older than us. So that they, like Paul, can give us instructions. Make sense? So if you want to learn how to live, you don't have to do it on your own. And so if you're here, and you genuinely want to walk and please God. If you're here, and you genuinely want to know how to walk a life that follows Jesus. If you desire to receive instruction, if that is you, then I have good news for you. I have good news. God is so good that he has actually given us the instructions. God has actually given you the instructions and we're about to see them because as Paul rehearses the instructions, he leaves us with four pieces of instruction. And we're about to see those really quickly here. There are four pieces of instruction that he's going to lay out for the Thessalonians. And so by God's grace, you and I can also learn how to walk a life that pleases God. So do you want to please God? Do you, is that you, honestly? Sam, I'm just here for youth group. Please just uh, keep it very armed. All right, if that's you, that's cool. You're welcome here. But if you really want to learn what it looks like to please God, check out what Paul says to the Thessalonians. Pick it up in verse three. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So here we go. The first piece of instruction we see, the first lesson we learn is that God's will is the road marked holiness, okay? God's will is the road marked holiness. So welcome to the street, the road, the path, and it's called holiness. Holiness Street or Avenue, I don't know. I don't build roads, so I don't know how wide something needs to be, to be a boulevard or an avenue. But God's will is the road marked holiness. Man, Sam, if I could just figure out what God's will for my life is. Oh, how many of you ever thought that? What's God's will for my life? 
right? You watched Divergent and you went home and you're like, does God want me to be dauntless? Am I area dying? What am I, right? And it's like we have all these like post-apocalyptia young adult films that are like asking the question, how will you spend your life? And then it doesn't get any better because in the church world, it's the same question, but it's just spiritualized. What's God's will for my life? You know what God's will for your life is? It's to be on this road. That's God's will for your life, to be on this road. And so holiness is a concept that is often confused. And so I'm gonna break it down for you super simple. This illustration, I know Jake Seal loves it. So I brought it back. Here's what it means to be holy. This is what holiness is. That's holiness. That's holiness. Holiness is like when you come downstairs on Christmas morning and your mom is making this giant fat turkey, right? Like, is it fat with an F or a PH? Both apply. She makes this fat turkey, right? And she says, hey, Colton, I want you to set the table for us, right? And so you go into the cabinets and you're about to get up the plates and she goes, no, 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 no. Not the everyday plates. I want you to go get the fine china, right? That foin china, right? You know what I'm talking about, the good stuff, right? And so she goes in, right? And, and she goes, I want you to get the stuff that your great, 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 great ancient grandmother left us, right? And you're like, the fine china, the fine china, right? And so you get out this stuff that if you sneeze too hard, you think you're gonna like break it. Like, you know, it's like that delicate and fragile and worth more than you will ever be worth. You know what I'm saying? You, anybody have those? Like the china hutches? I've made a vow that I'll never have a china hutch in my house just because I wanted to stick it to my mom because... For some reason, you cannot come downstairs in the morning and say, you know what, I'm feeling nice today. I'm actually gonna go and pour my orange juice in the fine china champagne glasses. How many of your moms would lose her minds, right? If she came downstairs and saw you like dipping your Oreo cookies in like, in like fine china from like the 1800s, you know? My mom would end me, right? Is he being literal or metaphorical? I'll let you figure that out, right? There are certain pieces of furniture that are set apart. There are certain dishes that are not to be used for common purposes because they have now been set apart for a special purpose. That's holiness. That is what God's will for your life is. The word holiness, it's literally to be set apart for God's pure and honorable purposes. When God saves you, it's like he takes your life and he says, you are no longer one of these common dishes. You are no longer to be used for the way the rest of the world is using their vessels and lives. You are now a set apart person. And so when I say that God's will is the road marked holiness, I'm saying it's his passion and desire for you to be set apart. He has set you apart for his pure and honorable purposes. And so the word that we saw here was your sanctification. It's the same word in Greek. It literally is just saying growing more and more devoted to your set apart purpose. So when God saves you, he actually makes you holy because he's setting you apart. He puts you in the china cabinet, whatever you want to do with the metaphor. But now the process of growing more and more devoted to that, the process of living that identity out is called sanctification, okay? So this is God's will. This is very different from moralism, okay? You need to understand that. Moralism is not being set apart. Moralism is what I call the killer bees. You guys know what the killer bees are? You know, you know behave, be better, be good, right? And it's like this idea that if you be moral, then God will love you more and he'll accept you more. 
That's moralism. This is not moralism. This road has nothing to do with moralism because moralism is about rules and regulations, but holiness is about a response. See the difference? Moralism says, oh, I want to get to God, so I got to do something. No, no, no. God has saved me. Therefore, in light of that, I will respond by living on the road that God has called me to. God's will is the road marked holiness. So if that's the road, question for you, when do you find it the most difficult to walk on this road? What situations in your life do you find it most difficult to stay on this road? What times of the day, what seasons of your life, what situations, what friends, what scenarios, what is the time of your life where you go, man, it is the hardest for me to stay on this road? The Thessalonians, I'll tell you what theirs was. It was sexual immorality. And I think what's so cool about this book is that the thing that was most difficult for the Thessalonians is also the thing that's most difficult in our day and age. And it's our sexuality. Like, you have to understand, like, the Thessalonians, like, they were Greeks. That should say enough, but you guys aren't old enough to understand that. But it's like, they were Greeks. Like, literally, to be a Greek meant to be engaged in all sorts of sexual perversion. Sexual immorality here, this word, think of it like this, anything off the road. Sexual immorality, is that adultery? Is it pornography? Is it unfaithful? Anything that is outside of the design. And so if you lived in Greece, you didn't call it sexual immorality. You had a very special word for this. You called it normal. (laughs) You didn't go around saying, hey, would you like to engage in sexual immorality? You go, hey, no, it's Tuesday. This is what it meant to be Greek. You were just normally engaged in this perversion. It was so normalized. They were not taking the road designed by the creator. They made their own road going this way. This is the road of Greece. This is the road of the culture. This is sexual immorality. And so the Thessalonians, they lived on this road. But now that they've been saved, now that they are in Christ, now that God has given them a new purpose and a new identity and a new record, Paul says, hey, I love you guys. You're believing in Jesus. Let me teach you. There's actually a new road. And so let me walk you over to teach you about the road that God has called you. Let me teach you about the new purpose that he's given you, the, new, the design of the designer. And so that's why he's writing them these instructions, to teach them that though they were on a different road, there's a new road, there's a new will for your life, and it's the designer's. And his will is to abstain from sexual immorality. Pursue sexual purity. Maybe you're a junior or a senior, and you're, you have the question, man, what's God's will for my life? Man, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. What's God's will? God, what do you want me to do? I'm going to go home and pray. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm going to read books about how to find out God's will for my life. Graduates, you know what God's will for your life is? Be on the road. No, but I mean, you know, what's like his will will, you know? Like, like that's his will, but what's like the will? Be on the road. God's will for those who follow Jesus is right here. As long as you're on the road, you're good. God's will for your life is the road that is marked sanctification. So pursuing purity, not immorality. 
following the design that he created, not the one that culture created. So the first piece of instruction that we see is that God's will is a road, and that road is marked holiness. So now here we go. Let's go to the number two now. Because how do I walk on this road? How is life lived out on this road? Let's look at the next few verses. Verse four. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. We see that following God, it's marked by self-control, not lustful passion. So here we go. We have our second piece of instruction here. And we see from this one that there are two very different ways Two very different ways that you can live your life. Two very different ways that you can live on the road. And the first one that we see in our text here is LP, which stands for lustful passions. Okay? So look what he says. He says, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. This word passion here, this is simply sexual and lustful passions. Okay? I know there's a seventh grader here who's like, but I have passions, baseball, football, Pokemon. No, 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 not, that's not the word passions, okay? Not your hobbies, not your enjoyable things. Passion, it means like those sexual urges. That's literally what that word means. This is a lifestyle that says, act on whatever you feel, bruh. This is the narrative of culture that says if you're not acting on how you feel, if you're not acting on what you want, you're not being true to yourself. Don't be fake. Be true to you. (laughs) I wish people would talk to me like that because I would laugh in their faces, right? (laughs) Teachers and friends, they say that to you because you're like young and so they think that you're impressionable and so that they can just, you know, you'll believe whatever they say. But like hogwash, students, that is so dumb. Just be you. If you're not acting on every urge, oh man, like you're not being true. You're being fake. Why are you acting like that? Do you think you're better? It's it's garbage. It's garbage. This is how those who do not know God, that's how they act. People who don't know the designer, that means they don't know the design. So what else are they to do? Next time somebody says that they're like subjective and they don't believe in a higher authority or they don't believe in absolute truth, Ask them what their basis of truth is then. They'll always come to something. I don't believe that like there's really an authority. I think what really matters is that as long as you're not hurting anyone, where did you get that? Stop right there, come out. Where did you get that? Because even though you're you're denying a designer, you just designed something there. Where did you get that backbone of your ethic? Where did you get that stopping point? Well, I mean, it's just human nature. No, it's not. No, it's not. They're barbarians, right? I just believe whatever you think is true, I'm gonna punch you in the face and then tell me I'm wrong. Sorry, I disagree with you. It's subjective. We talked about that in the academy, right? High schoolers. Like the idea that like, you know what? There's really no truth. So you're saying that's true. You're absolutely telling me there's no absolute truth. Again, I'm poking fun at these things so that you don't just hook, line, and sink or believe believe these, these concepts from culture, okay? This is how people live when they are living out their lustful passions. But there's another way. This is how those who don't know God live. But those who do know God and do know the designer, they know how to control their bodies. SC, that's not Sam Cassis, right? 
You're like, Sam is here. Yes, I'm here, but that's not what it is. It's self-control, okay? It's self-control. Those who do know God, they are not ruled by their passions. People who say that they're being free and being themselves, in actuality, they're slaves, and they have collars on and leashes, and their passions are driving them. But those who know God, they're not slaves to their passions. They walk on the road that God designed, and it's holiness. They're living out their set-apart purpose. It's honor. And so again, I love that it says here that this is in light of the fact that you know God or not. Because this right here, this is more than virtue, okay? There are a lot of people that don't know Christ that would go, yeah, self-control. I think that's a great one, right? And they're just talking about virtue. Just self-willpower, be a moral person. This kind of self-control is more than just virtue. This is living in light of the truth that you know the creator. You know the designer and he has designed a way for you to live. Therefore, in light of that, we control our bodies. And so the road is holiness. We walk on it based on self-control, not lustful passions. And this pleases God. If you're here, you are pleasing God. Everybody say, please God. Like, please, 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 please. No, not that kind of please, right? This is how you ought to walk. You ought to walk on the road marked holiness in self-control, and that pleases the Lord. But we see in the third piece of instruction that when you're living out your holiness, it actually affects more than just the Lord. There's actually another person that's affected, and we find that in verse six. Check it out. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. What we learn here is that sexual purity involves our horizontal relationships as much as it does our vertical one. The way that you handle your sexuality, yes, it pleases God or displeases God, but it's more than just a private thing. It's more than just the way you and God interact. There are actual horizontal implications as well as vertical. As well as vertical. It involves your horizontal relationships as much as your vertical. A lot of times people, they'll, again, you'll ask them, well, what's your, what's your basis for truth? Well, as long as you're not hurting anyone, right? You've heard that before? As long as you're not hurting anyone, that's really what matters. And so you're trying to tell me that living here doesn't hurt anyone? You're trying to tell me that if you are living your life based on lustful passions, that you're not hurting anyone? The Bible tells us directly the opposite. Look what he says. He says to live out your lustful passions. You know how that affects your horizontal relationships? You are transgressing them, meaning you're sinning against them. You are wronging other people when you are living based on your lustful passions. Think about it when you are acting on every single urge and passion and desire that you have, it makes it selfish and it objectifies other people. One of the craziest effects of a, of a brain that is addicted to pornography is that you no longer see people, you see objects. 
You no longer look at other female or look at females or look at guys. You no longer look at them as human beings who have a story and who have feelings and are deserving of dignity and respect. No, no, you don't see a human. You see something, a thing. Well, I'm not hurting anyone. You're wronging them. You're objectifying them. The exploitation of the weak and vulnerable. Anytime you find a road, and this is the speed limit, anytime you find a road and you are living according to this, you will find the exploitation, the abuse of the weak and vulnerable. How many of you had your, your social media explode with the hashtag me too? Anybody see that? Oh, maybe not. a few of you did? Okay, I thought that was a way bigger thing. Like, dude, that whole movement there, which is, it's sad, Right? The reality, I think it's like one in three females, like in their life, will be sexually abused. For men, it's one in seven. And so I appreciate the movement, right? I appreciate that they're saying, hey, let's give a voice to this. Let's not keep this hidden. But let's get to the source. You know what the source of that is? You know what the source of hashtag me too is? It's the road that's marked by lustful passions. Because everywhere that you find this road, you will find people on it who are taking advantage of those who don't want to be taken advantage of. You will find people being sexually abused. You will find child pornography. You will find sex slavery. Not hurting anybody. They're exploiting the weak. Putting personal pleasure above others' well-being. I don't care what's best for you. I want what I want. These are my passions. And so again, and I keep coming back to this because it sounds so cool. Be true to yourself, girl. Be you. Don't let the man stick the place you down. You gotta, you gotta learn for yourself. No, there's more here than just coming of age. They're wronging people. And so of all the things that I'm saying tonight, this is the one that most people will disagree with me. Most people that are not Christians, they'll say, what do you mean above others' well-being? If as long as you're not pressuring them to do something that they don't wanna do, then it's not hurting their well-being. You're assuming you're assuming that just because they want to means that that's what's best for them. Students, when you bring someone off of the road of holiness, when you lure them onto the different road marked by lustful passions, you are hurting their well-being, whether they are going willingly or unwillingly, because the best thing for someone is to be on the road marked holiness. Well, I mean, we both are in agreement, and so we're not really hurting him. You're both hurting each other. Because what's God's will for your life? To be on the road. Your sanctification. So anytime you're living life marked by your passions, you will find personal pleasure being placed above others' well-being. And then number four here, temporary thrills over long-term faithfulness. When a person, when a spouse cheats on his spouse, when a, when a woman cheats on her spouse for a moment of pleasure, they are putting those temporary fleeting feelings above the long-term faithfulness that marriage requires. That's God's will. When you have sex with someone who's not your wife, whether you're married or unmarried, you are being unfaithful to your spouse, whether it's future or current. Students, your oneness with your spouse, sure, it will be consummated when you get married and we preach here. You're like, wait a minute, are you saying what I think you're saying? Yes, we preach to save yourself for marriage. We do not have sex, not because sex is bad. Sex is awesome in the context of marriage. Oh, we don't talk about sex here. Oh my, the Bible has a whole book on sex. 
I will not tell you which one because I will lose you. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, we don't, we're not repressed, conservative weirdos. Sex is great. It's great. You're going to love it one day, okay? But, like, we, we, tr- we cherish it because God's will is holiness. We cherish it because we believe that the designer knows best. And so God's will for your life is your faithfulness to your spouse. And students, even if you're not married, that starts now. That starts now. The way to live life is not on the road marked lustful passions. Those who know God live a life with godly self-control. Dishonorable sexual activity is not just wrong, it's actually wronging others. This is God's will. Now, as we end here, does this entire picture cause you anxiety? Maybe you're here and, and you're going, I'm feeling a lot of shame right now, Sam, and I don't know what to do with this. Maybe right now all you can think about are the times that you haven't been on the road. Maybe all you can think about are the times that people actually dragged you off the road against your will. Maybe you're sitting here and you feel hopeless and you go, Sam, what if I've already fallen off the road? Sam, you don't understand, man. I've tried and I pray and I repent. I will never be able to be on the road. I will never have the energy or the willpower or the strength or the self-control. Sam, it's just not for me. Everything you're saying right now, Sam, in an ideal world, sure, it sounds good. For some people, sure, it sounds good. But that's not my reality. There's good news. And everything that I've said so far is absolutely true. I don't take any of it back. But I want you to know that the Lord, he understands. He has grace. And he has good news. And we see that good news in our final piece of instruction. Number four, look at verse seven. That, we've warned you, yep. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Our final instruction here we see, number four. God calls us to and empowers us for holiness. God calls us to and empowers us for holiness. Let's break that sentence down into two parts here. God has called us to holiness. Look at the text again. It said he called us. When God saves you, he's calling you holiness and purity. Friends, these are not like extras. You know what I mean? Like, you know when you go somewhere and you're like, hi, I'd like a cheeseburger. And they go, hey, would you like the extra milkshake with that? <laughs> and you're like, I would if I was rich. Just give me my cheeseburger and a cup for water, right? The cup of water of shame. You know what I'm saying? You're like, trying to upcharge me? And then they make you feel bad that you got a cup of water because they give you like a urine sample. You know what I mean? And I go, am I, am I supposed to like wet myself with this? Like just, shh. Right, give me a cup of water, okay? I want some high quality H2O, right? Is that what holiness is? Holiness is like we're all saved, but like for those who like, you know, those who got the goods, then they got holiness, right? 
Is that what this is? Some of you guys view holiness like this, right? It's like you picture this ladder, and I talk to you guys, and, and you don't use these words, but it's like I hear it in you. I hear it. We're like, yeah, I mean, we're all saved, right? I follow Jesus, but one of the most common ones I hear from you guys is I'm not like super religious. <laughs> oh, just moderately religious, huh? <laughs> we're all saved, but then some of us, you know, we're kind of like, we're passable, you know, you can show your face in church and not feel ashamed. You're passable. Then there's some people who are just exemplary. You know what I mean? I mean, look at those student leaders. They're just exemplary, right? Exemplary. I can't even say the word now. I'm not exemplary, right? I can't even say it. I'm passable. But then there's those people. Woo! What's up, holy man, right? There's holy people, right? And they get to the top, and it's like, wow! They're like God's real spiritual... Students, that's not what the text says. The text says that he called us in holiness, which means to be a Christian by nature means that God has called you and you belong on this road. The road is for you. The road is for you. He's called you in holiness. But he hasn't just called you. Look what else he does. He gives his Holy Spirit to you. So God doesn't simply say, hey, if you're following me, if you're in my family, I am calling you and you belong here. He goes even further and says, I'm going to give you the power to live there. The very nature of your calling to God is to live in holiness. So don't think that it's not for you, but understand that he doesn't simply call you, he empowers you. He gives his Holy Spirit to you. Friends, listen to me, okay? And, and for those of you who aren't Christians here and I don't know your story and you're new, this is very important to understand. The gospel is not primarily about what you need to do. It's about what God has done. And when you respond to what God has done through Jesus and you throw your hands up and you say, I surrender. I wanna be in God's family. I want to live for Jesus. He goes even further and gives you things. And so we've learned, and we learned this at winter camp, he gives you a new purpose. He wipes your slate clean. He gives you a new record. He surrounds you with a new community. He gives you a new heart. And we learn here that he actually gives you his Holy Spirit. Do you understand that God's presence actually lives with you? God has actually given you himself. So this is not just holiness. This is spirit-empowered holiness. Well, how powerful is the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know. He rose somebody from the dead. Is that powerful enough? I don't know, Sam. I feel pretty dead in my sin. If he rose Jesus from the dead, I think he can handle you in your weak flesh, right? That's the good news here. He's given you his spirit. God's salvation for your soul didn't end with the cross. Look what he says in John 14. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Jesus, you're my helper. Yes, but wait, there's more. There's another helper to be with you forever. Who is this? Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. God's spirit is with you, students, to guide you to lead you on the road, to direct your steps. God's spirit actually helps you live out your set-apart purpose. His spirit gives you strength to put to death the deeds of the flesh, to put to death those lustful passions. You feel hopeless? Remember the good news. God has given his spirit to you. And when you look at that truth and you disregard all of this, 
Like th- think about what this is. Remember what I said at the beginning, a road implies what? Movement. It's going somewhere. We've learned for the last three weeks what the destination of this road is. What's the destination? Where are we going? Speed limit signs, street name. We got some road signs. I'm turning. Where am I going, God? Where am I going? I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. The destination is none other than the day of Jesus Christ. Because as you grow on this road, the Lord is bringing you to the day that you will stand before Jesus. And he will look at you and he will declare you holy and blameless. Not with a magic wand, but because it's the fulfillment of the work that he's been doing in your life all along. I used to think, you know what, I'm just gonna do whatever I want in this life because then when I get older or when I die, then God will just like zap me and I'll be holy. God actually gave you this life to help reduce the culture shock of a perfect and holy heaven. God gave you this life to, grant, to transform you little by little so that when you arrive at your destination, you'll be holy and blameless and above reproach. And students, if you disregard all of this, if you reject all of this, the text says you disregard not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. To reject this and disregard this is to reject more than your parents' preference. To disregard this is to reject more than some old ethics of a bygone era. To disregard this is to reject more than the the trappings of conservatism. To disregard this is to reject God's will for your life, God's purpose in your life, and God's gift in your life. Students, the road is marked holiness. And if you're a Christian, God is calling you to live on this road. Christ calls you to do more than stand in your faith. He calls you to walk. Walk. That's the command tonight, students. Walk. Christ wants you to do more than stand still. He wants you to walk. And so as we respond tonight, the band will come up in a moment. And we're going to stand and we're going to sing and we're going to pray and we're going to do different things. But here's how I see this, okay? You can, you can listen. I get it. You can listen to this message and go, <laughs> thank you very much. And you can peace out and never come back. That's cool. Whatever, okay? I'm sorry for that because this is God's will for you. But for those of you who are like, no, I'm here. Talk to me, Sam. Here's the word for you, okay? There's one of two ways that you can respond to this message. You can look at this road. And some of you are here and you look at this road and when you're being honest with yourself, you say, you know what? I actually lack hunger. Some of you are here and you go, to be honest, Sam, holiness isn't really at the top of my priorities right now. To be honest, Sam, I I do have the Holy Spirit. I believe I'm a Christian. I have the Holy Spirit. He's in my life and he actually right now is speaking to me. And even right now, I'm like sweating. And even right now, it's like he's telling me and convicting me of my sin. But to be honest, Sam, I've been ignoring him. I'm not as hungry or passionate as I should be about holiness. And students, if that's you, Let the beautiful gospel melt your hearts. Be soft. Humble yourself. Look at what God has done for you. Look at the will that he has for your life and ask him, Lord, give me a heart that wants that. So maybe you're here and you lack hunger. But I would imagine there's probably even more of you here. I don't know. 
Maybe there's even more in you here, more of you here who you say, you know what, I lack hope. Sam, I don't have a hunger problem. I want to live on this road, but I'm over here, Sam. I'm going the wrong way. You have no idea. I come and I put on the face. I say the right things. I go to small group. I look like a great youth group kid. I play the part. Awesome. I can win a Grammy right now. But if I'm being honest, I feel like I can never get out of my sin. I am stuck and there is no hope for me to ever be on that road. Students, let me encourage you. That's not true. God has given you his spirit. He's given you a community with whom you can open up and be transparent. You know when you get stuck over here? About, I think the average right now is 10 times out of 10. You will get stuck over here when you keep your sin secret. When you keep your sin secret and you fall asleep at night and you say, you know what, tomorrow, this is the last time, I swear, I'll never do this again. Tomorrow will be a new day. You don't tell anybody, you'll be right back there in 24 hours. Every time, 10 times out of 10. You want, you want hope? Remember that God has given you his spirit. He's also given you a community with whom you can open up and confess things with. Small group is not social club. I wanna be in a small group so I can have friends. No, you wanna be in a community so that you can grow holy. That's what the brotherhood is about, guys. That's what the sisterhood is about, ladies. So use the spirit, use the community, use God's word. When we do things like this, do you feel this right now? Like when we read the simple words from scripture and not try to do anything magical with them, you go, dang, that's hitting me. That's the power of the word. And then the last thing he's given you is authority. He's given you spiritual authority in your life who can actually help you make a plan to move forward. If I confess every night to God, that's my plan for holiness. That's not a plan. That's insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over. And there's those of you in this room who know what I'm talking about. Because as soon as you opened up to your small group, as soon as you opened up and invited authority into your life, you knew something changed. And are you perfect? No. But it was a game changer, right? It was like guardrails on the road. And though sometimes you feel like a pinball machine, you're, you're not over there. Do you lack hope? God has given you a lot of things, including himself, to help you be on the road marked holiness. And so the band, why don't you guys come on up? We're gonna, we're gonna respond here tonight. And um, here's what I want you to do. As people are singing and the lights go down, you could leave here and go play basketball and go to the bathroom and pretend like you need a drink of water. That's an option. Um, if you're five, okay. Um, if you're not five, it's not an option. The other option that you can do is that as we sing and pray and talk, you can, sit, you can be confessing these, thing, these things to the Lord. You can grab a youth staffer with a lanyard on. You can grab one of your sisters. You can grab a brother in Christ and say, hey, I need to be honest. I'm here. And so we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna pray for you. And here, let's do this. As I pray for you, maybe you're here and I'm gonna pray for both of these categories, but just so I can pray for you and even see your face, how many of you would say, dude, right now, I just, I'm gonna be honest. It's Wednesday, I lack hunger. Pray for me. Yeah, I'll pray. Yeah, no doubt, for sure. Yeah, we, we all get there. I will pray for you, yeah. Anyone else? Sam, I just, right now, that's my hurdle. Yeah, I lack hunger. Holiness is not my priority. Math classes. I get that. But let God's word reprioritize you tonight. Let him reorient your heart to go, no, at the top of God's priority list is being on this road. And then how many of you here say, Sam, pray for me because I just, I don't have hope. I feel like I will never be on that road. I feel like I'll never be like him or her or like my parents or like you. Or 
How many of you would say, pray for me, Sam? I kind of just not feeling super hopeful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yep, good. Not good that you lack hope, but good that you can just, in this room, right? I could do the whole thing of like, turn the lights down with nobody else looking. Who needs prayer? Oh my gosh, I need prayer, please. We're a community. Are you surprised that the person next to you needs prayer? Why are you surprised? Don't just stand, students. Christ has called you to do more than stand. Walk. Walk in holiness. Let me pray. Lord, we look to you tonight, Father, because we need help. We look to you tonight, Lord, because self-control and willpower are not our saviors. You are. And so, Lord, help us, Lord. For those who, who lack hunger, for those who are just uh, uh, not feeling like holiness is a priority, would you give them that hunger? Help them to see the beauty of the gospel. Help them to, to understand the realities of the gospel, that you have saved them for this, that, you have, that their old life is dead to sin, that you have shed your blood that they might be on this road. Help that love and kindness and grace, help that move them to go, man, I want that. I want what God has wanted me for. I want to lay to, to grab hold of that for which God has grabbed hold of me. Give them hunger, Lord. And Father, for those who feel hopeless, for those who feel like they will never get on this road, Lord, I pray that you would surround them with community. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. Lord, perhaps there's people in here, their hearts are so hard and callous to the spirit because they have consistently said no. Soften their hearts, Lord. Give them your spirit. Give them the courage to open up to community. Surround them with authority. Lord, I pray for more youth staffers, more adults who can come and have these raw and messy conversations, Lord. Send laborers. Lord, continue to use your word to shape us and transform us and soften our hearts. Let this be a community that we can honestly say about ourselves. Other people are living holy lives because of me, not in spite of me. Father, I pray for our young ladies. Lord, I pray that they would be so intimidating to anybody who would want to mess them up because their passion for you and their pursuit of holiness is so admirable that nobody would look at them and cheapen them or objectify them. And they would say, whoa, this is fine, China. They are set apart. I am not touching that. Lord, I pray for our young men, God. Lord, would you create a movement of manly men? Lord, no more boys. God, no more little boys, God, parading around as men in the church. No more little boys in our schools. No more little boys who are getting away with the status quo. Create men, Lord, who will challenge and raise the bar. Create men who are hungry for your word, who are passionate about purity, Lord. Create men who honor women and save themselves and are faithful to their future spouses, Lord. Create men that people want to follow because they look like you. Lord, be glorified. All glory be to Christ because you're creating this community, Lord. So tonight we stand and we sing and we raise our hands and we say, God, your will be done in this community. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight. Let's stand.